Hi, welcome to the brief for The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Before we begin, let's just do a quick prayer. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for this listener to your word. We pray that, Father, that you would change them, that you would cause them to come to know you if they don't know you. And Father, if they do know you, that you would cause them to grow, to take something from this that would make them a better disciple of you, that would enable them to yield more fruit for you. Father, we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we start this with an introduction into Dietrich Bonhoeffer himself. Who was he? So let me share with you a few things about Dietrich. Um, He was born in 1906. He was born into a brilliant family. Uh, He had a father who was a world-renowned psychiatrist. Um, He had uh, uncles and stuff who were physicists. And an uncle who was a lawyer headed up Lufthansa. It's legal corp. So brilliant, very accomplished family. When he was, his brother was 17 years old. It was a fairly large family. But when his brother was 17 years old, he died in the war. And this changed Dietrich. He became much more serious. He studied, went off, and in fact, got a PhD in theology at the age of 21. Brief one, America, lessons learned. So what did Dietrich Bonhoeffer learn when he was he went to America? Because there was a time in his life when Hitler was on the rise in Germany. And his friends, to get him out of that environment, they decided that they had to get him to America, to some place where he would be safe from all of that. And so when he went to America... One of the questions they asked him was, did he learn any theology as a Ph.D. student in theology uh, from German universities? And his answer was no, there was no theology there. But what he did learn, what he was exposed to was, interestingly enough, the African-American church. And in that, he saw something that changed his life. He began to come up with this philosophy of costly discipleship from what he saw in that African-American church. And so what he saw was he saw them living Every day, not just on Sundays, but every day of the week, them living out their faith in the way that they served one another, in the way that they advocated and stood up for their brothers in the South who were being oppressed. He saw a different way of living the Christian life, and he recognized it as discipleship, as what the disciples did that Jesus appointed. And so he began to develop this philosophy of cheap grace and costly grace um, and discipleship. A way I like to think about it is like this. Salvation is free, but lordship costs you everything. And so in order to become a servant of Christ, you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So it's both believing and allowing lordship. And that lordship costs you everything. And so anyway, he developed a philosophy much like that and his philosophy of Cheap grace versus costly grace. And he believed that discipleship requires costly grace. So cheap grace is what you see in some churches today. Cheap cheap grace says that, you know, the sin is okay because your sins have all forgiven and it justifies the sin, but not the sinner. But Jesus justified the sinner. Cheap grace conforms to the world. It's forgiveness without repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, Absolution without personal confession, grace without discipleship, grace without the cross. It's grace without Jesus. 
And what it does is it actually predisposes people to disobey, which is not where you should be. Now, what is costly grace? Well, costly grace is that treasure that was hidden in the field that Jesus talked about that you sell everything to buy. Costly grace is that pearl of great price that, again, you sell everything to get. Costly grace is what the disciples exemplified when they, when Jesus called them, when Peter and Andrew and James and John, and these guys had pretty big fishing operations. They had their own boat, crews. We saw the house of Peter has been excavated, what they believe to be it. It's a big, fancy house with a great view of the Lake of Galilee. And so these people gave something up. Jesus said, come. And they followed him. So there was a call from Jesus and an immediate response by the disciples. And so this is part of costly grace. This is a big part of being a disciple that Jesus has to call you, but then you have to follow immediately. And so uh, it's costly because if you really think about it, the price that was paid for us to have this grace was Jesus on the cross. It basically cost everything. It cost the creator of the universe. And so when you think about it, Jesus told Peter to follow me when he at the beginning and he told him to follow him at the end. Um, those were that's what Jesus told Peter of the guy whom we said upon this rock, I'll build my church. And the church for a time tried to limit it to folks in monasteries. But the truth is, this word is for everyone who makes up a part of the church. For the ecclesia, the called out ones. And uh, so he recognized that when you know you're a citizen of heaven, that you can live boldly on earth, doing whatever it is that Jesus calls you to do. And that grace and discipleship, they're equivalent. So you can't have grace without having discipleship. And you can't have discipleship if there were no grace. Brief two. Why was the way Bonhoeffer lived significant? Well, the reason it was significant was because he actually lived as a disciple. And so once he developed this philosophy from his trip to America, he went back to Germany because he felt he felt led to go back, to be perfectly honest. And he just couldn't stay away from the things that were going on. He felt his nation was descending into darkness and the rule of an autocratic dictator and that something had to be done. And so he felt he had to be back there. And one of the things was he felt that the church, that Jesus left a residue of suffering that was for the church to take up. And that by undertaking that suffering, you spare someone else from having to suffer. And so he had this particular belief that as a believer, you have to take action when you see uh, certain wrongs. Like an example he gave would be, you see a crazed driver who drives into a crowd and kills people. It's not enough to tend to the wounded, the folks that get killed, but you need to also deal with the driver, the crazy driver as well, so he doesn't kill anyone else. And so that's the situation that he saw with Hitler. He saw a crazed leader taking over the country who was essentially an antichrist type of figure who was against everything that Christ stood for, leading the nation into hatred, murder, destruction, all the things that are the opposite of what Christ stood for. 
and he felt he had to do something. And so, believe it or not, he actually participated in a plot to assassinate Hitler because he felt he had to take out the crazy, crazed driver. And he felt it was his Christian duty to do it. And for that, he was sent to prison and he eventually was hanged. And it was only a few months prior to the end of the war, I think a couple of months, and the war would have been over. But what he, what he preached, he practiced. And it says that we are all letters, you know, that will be read. We're living epistles of Christ, the way that we live and what we do. And so Baumhofer actually lived this philosophy of costly grace. So we're now at brief three. What are the top ideas slash top takeaways in the book? Well, the first top takeaway I would say in the book, idea besides costly grace, which we've already talked about some versus cheap grace, is this thought that we, need, we have to be as the original disciples were. That we have to live our life in the way that they live. So it was a call-response situation. Jesus said, come, and they went. And even when they undertook things, like as an example, when Peter saw Jesus walking on the water, he didn't just jump out the boat and start trying to walk on the water on his own. He said, Lord, bid me to come. Because he knew that if Jesus issued the call, that he would be able to do what he needed to. And so then Jesus said, come. And then Peter was able to step out onto the water. But if if Peter had just stepped out on his own into the water, he would have sunk. And so there's this call response that the disciple, that the believer has to hear the call of God and follow it. And he believes that as a believer, you will know the will of God, what it is, and you'll be able to follow it, that God will make sure of that part. But you have to go, and you don't necessarily know where you're going, as was the case with Abram. You know, God said, go, and he went to a place which I will show you. And he did eventually, you know, in time, right? But it was a step-by-step process, and it often is with us as well. But whatever Jesus gives you to respond to, you have to respond to it. And when he sent the disciples out, after he gave them authority to cast out demons and heal the sick and do the things that he did, he told them to take nothing with them. But essentially, he said to give everything because they would go to these places, you know, God had praying people who were looking for ways to serve who would accommodate them when they would come. And so they would go and just in faith, knowing that God would have somebody set up to care for them. And when they would go, then he said, let the peace of God fall on that house if they receive you. You know, and if not, then shake the dust off of it and move on. And so from this, Bonhoeffer felt that, um, that the folks were called to take nothing with them, but to bring to these households, these places that they went, these towns they went to, salvation, which is in essence everything. And they were to do the works that Jesus did. And they found that they could. They could cast out demons. They could heal the sick. They could do miracles. In fact, Peter raises the dead um, in the book of Acts. He raises Dorcas and brings her back to life. So, in fact, they do the works that Jesus did. And he believes that we, The church today should be as the church and the disciples were at that time. Brief four, what will I incorporate into my walk with Christ? Well, as a result of reading this book, 
This idea of costly grace is something that I'm going to try to work on in my my walk with Jesus. Um, a willingness to sacrifice everything, even to my life. Uh, a willingness to, to really take up my cross and to really understand better when Jesus is calling me, calling me to suffer. Um, a willingness to take that on, that someone else might be spared. And then the second thing is more prayer for holiness, for sanctification. This is a thing he also stresses that, you know, it should not be found amongst us. The sins that are talked about in Galatians by Paul, you know, anger, lust, um, fornication, envy, drunkenness. These things should not be found amongst us. Right. And so I want to make sure that I'm asking God to help me to walk rightly, uprightly before him. Brief five, what did it cost Bonhoeffer to do this? Because he was initially preaching, leading churches in Germany, Hitler shut all that down. And so they, they stopped him from preaching. Then he was teaching at a university. They stopped him from teaching at the university eventually. And then he was um, actually writing and publishing some things, and they stopped that. And eventually they put him in prison. So... And as I said before, at the uh, two months prior to the end of the war, they actually took him and they hung him. And so it cost him everything. He was about to be married two months away from that, um, 35 years old. And um, they, they hung him. So what did it cost him? Well, it, it cost him everything. What will it cost you? Well, it'll cost you everything to really live your life the way that Jesus desires you to live it and to really follow him, it'll cost you everything. Hi, thank you for listening to this brief. We have plenty more at christianbrief.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-B-R-I-E-F.com. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And hope you check out some of the other briefs at christianbrief.com.